0: Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Infertility podcast. My name is Kathy. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, owner of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy. I am one in, I think what we're now calling one in six, it was one in eight, but it looks like it's now one in six couples struggle with infertility. I'm one in four, Um, I've had recurrent miscarriage and a collection of diagnoses which made it uh, impossible for me to have babies. That being said, wherever you are, whatever your life experiences recently um, you bring with your listening ears to this podcast, um, I get you. What I want to talk about today is something that I think anybody who's struggled with infertility for any amount of time can give me a silent bobblehead along as you listen to this. Not because anything I'm going to say is brilliant or new, but because I think we all, after a while, just start to feel this way in the middle of infertility. And what I want to talk about is the feeling of weariness and hopelessness. Now, whenever I do an intake with a new client, I start out with, what did you want? Like, what was your plan? Like, if you were at your bridal shower, whenever you and your partner really, like, got together and made that known, even if you you guys haven't gotten married, but you're still trying What have you told people or just told each other? For us, it was, we're going to wait two years and then we're going to have two, maybe three kids. That was the plan. And the plan, I think, starts off really well or really enthusiastically, I should say, for a lot of us. Now, some people, you might have gotten off on the wrong foot already. For example, somebody brings a diagnosis into the relationship or you just know because of some kind of genetic something that you got passed down to you from your family of origin, or maybe you've never had a regular cycle and you don't know what that means, but you know, something's off or whatever that might be for you. But I think for most people, we start out really enthusiastically, like, oh my gosh, we're going to have a baby. Let's tell a couple of people we're trying to conceive, because that certainly means by the end of this year, we're probably going to have a kid at least be pretty close to bringing uh, a child home. So we start off there. And, you know, I've likened it in here to a race before, but whatever, however you see your journey thus far, whether it's a race, whether you're climbing a mountain, whatever it is, we start to feel just super excited. We think, oh my gosh, I finally, <laughs> who says that? Oh my gosh. We finally think that like we've reached this place of adulthood and we've done everything that we thought we should have done up until this point. And now we've got to the part of adulting where we think we are mature enough, ready enough empowered enough financially ready enough whatever to have a baby and so we go into month one and it's like we this is so great we're gonna have fun this passionate sex means something it's not just recreational this is so fun and on purpose we buy our ovulation sticks if we know about them yet a lot of people don't know about them until infertility, but we definitely get those pregnancy tests that cost way too much money. And well, I'm thinking of the ones that like are like $10 because there's a little computer inside that tells you whether you're pregnant or not pregnant, you buy those tests and you think this is it. We're really doing this. And there's this understanding also that it might take a minute, right? I think we all knew somebody before once upon a time, or at least like saw a show where somebody had to try a couple months. And so we Google like, what's the national average? How long should this take me? And we think we got this. I'm definitely not going to be the one in eight or one in six where this takes a while. And I don't know anybody that's had a miscarriage before. That's just not going to be me because you get pregnant and you have a baby and that's all there is to it because there's this silly. Well, not silly, but for those of us who have experienced the hard, it feels really silly. Like, Oh, remember when we were that innocent? Remember when we thought that a pregnancy test that was positive meant that we were having a baby. Remember when we thought we just had to have sex at the right time of the month and we were going to get pregnant. Yeah. Remember, remember how we used to think that way. And then all of a sudden the not pregnant in the first month turns into, we got this next month. We got this month three. We got this month four. We, we're good. We're young. We got this. And then it takes a minute. If you're listening to this, your story is probably a little bit like mine. It's taking you a minute longer than you thought it was going to be. Maybe the months are accumulating. Maybe the miscarriages are accumulating. Mary, maybe the months are turning into years, and years are accumulating. I know some of you that listen to this pretty regularly. Whether you've reached out, or I see you professionally, or you just comment in these spaces where the blogosphere is not blogosphere, podcastosphere. Sphere. Mm. Yeah, have fun with that word. I can't get it right today. Anyways, I know from a lot of you that weeks have turned to months, have turned to years. And when that happens, the hope that we had and the zest for this process that we had at the beginning turns into painstaking, depression-filled, sexual apathy, long, long season of weariness and hopelessness. Hope is a thing of the past. Excitement is a thing of the past. The plan of like, hey, we're going to have two, maybe three kids. Now we're thinking, you know what? One's fine. I need a baby that's here on earth and I need it to be alive. That, That becomes the bar. And I'm not minimizing that at all because I started accumulating babies in heaven. And I know I'm not the only one where I thought, if I get pregnant again, that is some scary stuff because every time I've gotten pregnant, that baby has gone straight to heaven. My arms were empty and my womb was empty because every pregnancy test ended or every pregnancy rather ended so poorly. Where are you in this? I think if I were to pull several of you listening to this, you would say, Kath, listen, I am tired. I am weary. Things have changed in my life. I thought that because we were the first ones to get married, that we would be the first ones to have a kid. I thought because I'm the oldest sibling, that I would have a kid before my younger siblings and now they're pregnant or trying for number two or whatever. I thought because I got a job right out of college and everything up until this point worked really well for me, then I would be okay because life just seemed easy for me. What is it for you? I know you can't tell me right now, but I just wonder as you're you know, on the treadmill, on the ERG machine, on your way to work, whatever, what is it that comes to mind for you that is just feels like my reproductive narrative, The, the story I wrote for myself has turned into something so hard. When did that become a reproductive trauma? And honestly, how far in the rear view mirror was it? Hope, I remember early on in my journey, my mom would say, Kath, just have hope. And I'd be like, mom, I don't like that word. I understand why you want me to have hope. That feels like an arbitrary bow you want me to put on it. You want me to have hope. And I remember saying to her one time, hope feels paralyzing. You want me to have hope and hope is all I've clung to for so long. And I can't try and live like the world is just like farts and fairies and unicorns and rainbows anymore because it just feels hard. So what do we do, friends, when it feels like I've been in this for longer than I want? When it feels like I am just exhausted, let's touch the weary first. I know because I was there and I'm constantly in the world of fertility that months matter. If you've been trying to conceive for any amount of time, the idea, if I were to say, you guys just take a break, take a month for yourself. You would be like one entire month. That's 30 something days approximately. That's 30 days, a 28 day cycle that you want me not to try. That is one more month that I'm further away from the baby. That is one more month delaying treatment. That's one more month that I'm living in this hell and you want me to take a break, well, hear me out. When was the last time I asked this question often? When was the last time that you did something for yourself? When was the last time you actually went on that vacation? When was the last time that you didn't count days? When was the last time you didn't take your temperature? When was the last time you didn't pee on an ovulation test? When was the last time you didn't wait anxiously for the doctor to call you back? When was the last time that you did not have to have super calculated sex on day 14? If it has been years... Imagine what a world a month, I know that feels long, but just imagine what a month would feel like if you got to breathe, if you got to have sex when you wanted, if your cycle wasn't dictated by a doctor, if you didn't have to count. How many grams of leafy greens you got in in a day? If you didn't have to drink the beet juice, if you didn't have to get your thirty minutes of exercise in, if you didn't have to have sex when the doctor told you to have sex, what'd that feel like? What if you actually got to go back to like the feeling of dating and newlywed and whenever when you actually just enjoyed each other? What would it feel like to your sense of weariness? If you got to enjoy the moment, it's summer, right? When this is coming out, it is summertime and there are lakes and rivers and enough bars around me in Nashville that I, you know, I drove to the grocery store today and there was a superhero convention. I don't know. There's a bunch of grownups dressed in superheroes, like What is it that tickles your fancy enough to say, like, I want to do it. What if you lived a month when you didn't have to postpone it until when the baby came? I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I want you to think about it. And if you can't afford to take a month off, maybe you're fighting sperm count that's depleting. Maybe you're fighting maternal or, you know, that, age that we're going to call geriatric? What if it feels like you don't have many more months of, of really good eggs? Okay. So don't take a break, but adapt, adopt the mindset of I am going to live well. You've heard me say it. If you've been here for any amount of time, how do we live well in the weight? How do we live well in the weight? Another way to help you with weariness and hopelessness is to lean on your support system. Maybe they are people that you only know through Instagram who you've only ever messaged back and forth, but those are seem to be the only people in the world that understand you. Maybe it's a family member, a partner, a therapist. If you don't have one, Tennessee Reproductive Therapy.com. Even if you're not around here, email me. I'll point you in the direction of somebody in your area. Be more than happy to do that. Lean on your support system. And maybe even me saying that you're like, Kath, I am alone. I get it. I get that you feel alone because the world feels like it's passing you by. That is an easy thing to experience when it just feels like. Everybody is getting what you want. Find a person, even if it's a therapist, even if it's a you just coming back here, somebody where you can say, I'm not okay. I am exhausted. When we're feeling hopeless, when we're feeling weary, I think it's easy to live in a posture where you show greater empathy to somebody else other than yourself. It's really easy if another, uh, you know, TTC sister were to come to you and be like, "Listen, friend, I am lonely. I am weary. I am exhausted. I can't go on one day." You are going to sit down with them and you are going to just nod along as they lament about the struggle and you are going to go into problem solving mode you're going to go into compassion and you are going to just surround them with your love and i totally get you what is stopping you from showing yourself that same level of empathy what is it that's saying stopping you from saying self this is hard oh girl this is hard, but we're okay. We got this. This is exhausting. I'm going to bring somebody else in, but like you're doing a great job. You're putting one foot in front of the other. You're giving yourself progesterone and oil shots all the time. You're taking the suppositories. You're doing the medicine. You're keeping everything straight. You're a rock star self show yourself some empathy, be open-hearted with the compassion that you give yourself, offer yourself the support maybe that you need for yourself. Sometimes I will tell the people in my home, like, I need a day. I need a out. I'm not a good version of myself right now and the world feels like it's expecting a lot from me, even if those are the only, or even if I'm the one like putting those expectations on myself, offer yourself the support to say, listen, like I do, Hey, I need a timeout. I need a day. I'm going to go read at the coffee shop. I'll be back in a couple hours. I'm going to go spend the night in the hotel because I just need a break. I'm going to go home to my parents' house because I need somebody to take care of me. That's okay if you need to give yourself a timeout to catch your breath in this journey. This feels like a sprint and a marathon all at the same time. All at the same time, we're gonna also reframe some thoughts when we're feeling hopeless. When we're feeling weary, we have intrusive thoughts. So think of like the anxious brain. Maybe you're super familiar with this. Intrusive thoughts are the thoughts that you don't have to tell yourself to have. They seem to come as from the middle of nowhere and they come in with like fire behind them, making you believe like an intrusive thought. For example, we used to live in the middle of nowhere. And if my husband was home, like I he said, Kath, I'm gonna be home at five. It's like 5'10. My intrusive thoughts say, What am I gonna do with my life after I bury him? Because certainly he's dead on the side of the road because of the ice storm. And like I just instead of being like, Oh, I should call him, I'm like, Oh, certainly. Okay. Am I gonna move home to be closer to my family when he's after the funeral? That's an intrusive thought. So an intrusive thought during all of this, and it might be Minor. Here's some examples for you with an intrusive thought. It might be, I'd never be a good mother anyways. Maybe this is the universe or God punishing me. Maybe my partner is better off without me. Maybe my partner is better with somebody else. I'm broken. I am wounded. I am not a good woman. I'm not a good man. Intrusive thoughts are going to creep in and tell you lies. So we're going to reframe them, repurpose them instead of maybe I'm not to be, maybe I'm not meant to be a mom. Maybe the intrusive thought is I'm not meant to be a mom. Let's go ahead and repurpose or reframe that thought and say, I haven't become a mother yet. I'm still waiting. Maybe the intrusive thought is my partner would be better off with somebody else. Reframing that thought says, my partner and I are in this together and we're growing together. Maybe the intrusive thought is, I am broken. I am wounded. Other women are better off than me. Reframing it says, my peers around me are in a different season that I haven't, I just haven't gotten there yet. The good thing is, is once I get there, I'm going to get all their hand-me-downs. That's what I... I was afforded by the time that we got to bring our kids home from Ethiopia, all my friends were done with parenting and I got their hand-me-downs. That's how I reframed it. How can you look at your situation from a different angle? Now, if intrusive thoughts are causing you emotional paralysis, if anxious thoughts or depressed thoughts are leading you down a path of I don't like myself. I don't like my life. Any thoughts of self-harm, any behaviors like addiction, please, oh, please, oh, please reach out to me. I promise I'll fit you in as soon as I can. You do not have to fight this alone. And also infertility, I've said it before, but it doesn't feel like to you feel like it to you right now. Infertility is a season. And you might be like, well, this is a longer season than I ever thought it was going to be. Sure. I get it. I get it. Sometimes I still feel like I wear the the badge of infertility. I I was sitting in a meeting recently and somebody said something about those waiting for their baby still. And I thought, oh, yep. Pulling at that string. It has been nine years since my boys came home. Ten years since I stopped trying. But still, sitting in that space, hearing that, I was like, whoop, whoop, got me. You got me. We're raw and exposed and vulnerable. Take a break. Auger into ourselves. Lean on our support system. We're going to reframe our thoughts. We're going to allow ourselves to show ourselves empathy and compassion. And we're going to reach out if our thoughts are consuming us to the point that we feel like we need the support system for thoughts of self-harm, of addiction, disordered eating, thoughts of just complete and utter hopelessness, not like I'm hopeless, but like I'm really hopeless in my life. I will show you the compassion and the empathy Or point you in the direction of a support group, another therapist, whatever, who can show you the, the empathy, the compassion you need for yourself. Because listen, after this is pregnancy and postpartum, and then it's parenthood. We want to help you here at Tennessee Reproductive Therapy. We want to help you be able to stand on your own two feet so that you can go into those seasons feeling equipped, empowered whole, and healed. You do not want to walk into those seasons feeling weary and exhausted because those seasons have exhaustion waiting for you. And you're like, hey, I'll take it. But we don't want you to carry with you the same level of exhaustion that you feel now. Friends, it is my privilege to be welcomed into your week this week. This is a sacred space for me. I hope it is for you. I hope if you're feeling weary or hopeless this week, that you can just say, you know, I can do one of these things. I can show myself empathy. I can take a break. I can reframe a thought. I can find a therapist. I can lean on my support system. Whatever that might be, give yourself that gift. Please give yourself that gift. I hope that wherever you are, even in the beginning when I said, I hope that you had a great week. I hope next week's even better. I hope that you find a moment to shower yourself with compassion, to give yourself a happy clap moment where you can just feel inspired, vulnerable in a good way with a with a friend, with an honest trusted companion where you can feel like you're in beauty and nature, notice the world around you, broaden your worldview enough to be able to notice or broaden your perspective this week enough to be able to see how the, the light bounces through the trees, how the smell of coffee feels, how the rose smells. I know it's like, Oh, she's cheesy. She's telling me to stop and smell the roses, but you know what? In the middle of this marathon of infertility, that just might be the very gift. That you need to give yourself this week. Friends, I'll be back with a guest next week. I'm excited for you to meet her. And that's all I'm going to tell you for now because, because some things are just better left unsaid for now, but it's, it's going to be a gift to you. I hope that you have a great week. Go out and thrive friends. Bye.